Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for today's panel on teamwork under pressure. I've been fortunate to chat with over 150 remarkable people on my Intentional Performance podcast. And these people have overcome adversity, thought deeply about leadership, and have set up intentional lives for themselves to perform at their best. And today's guests actually know each other. So it's going to be a fun time. And there's probably going to be some jokes if, if, if I know these guys as well as I do. Um, but the coronavirus has created challenges for so many throughout the world. It's my hope that these panel discussions will help those in need. While everyone on the panel has tremendous expertise, I also want to note that what we're going through is truly unprecedented. And there may be questions that we don't know the answers to. And and that's totally okay. This isn't designed to give you all the answers to every question you have. Instead, it's designed to have you think deeply about how you can handle this challenging time. And so I'm going to introduce all of these guys, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and we'll just sort of take it from there. So Mario, why don't you start and just give people a little bit of an idea of your background and, and what you're up to today as well. Sure. Um, so obviously, my name is Mario Romero. I'm sure you'll see that on the, uh, on the label of these videos. Uh, currently, I work at Johnson Space Center. I am in the, at the neutral buoyancy lab. I'm on the dive team. Uh, one, one of the things that I do, one of the major things I do is I help astronauts train for EVAs, extravehicular activities or spacewalks, um, to use common terms. Um, another thing I do is I'm on the Orion capsule recovery team. So we outfit the Orion capsule, the crew capsule. Uh, once we start doing those missions to the moon, to Mars, to asteroids and beyond, when those capsules do come back, we got to figure out ways to, to get those. Uh, back from the ocean and do it safely and safely egress the personnel or the subjects. Um, so that's what it, currently what I do here in Houston. Before this, I was a student over at Columbia University. I studied pure mathematics and, and astrophysics and um, got my degree there. Prior to that, I was in San Diego for about 12 years where I spent about nine of those years as a SEAL in the Navy. Um, so most of of my, uh, with exception of the school in which it does kind of a little bit uh, contain a little bit of teamwork, most of it of my life has been always working in sort of teams and getting, you know, accomplishing certain missions or goals as a team. Awesome. Jeff, why don't you go next? Hey guys, Jeff Gum here. Grew up in Pennsylvania and then went down to Florida for my undergrad at UCF, then went out to San Diego for SEAL training. After I completed that, went, went to SEAL Team 5, did four years there, and then became a combatives instructor, teaching the hand-to-hand combat and prisoner handling. Got out after 10 years and started my MBA at UCLA. Also launched a swimwear brand called Single Life. So I took the popular swimwear from Brazil and made it patriotic and all about freedom. And I use that to help support some different foundations that I'm passionate about, Adaptive Training Foundation and the Force Blue Team, which uh, first one helps adaptive athletes, guys with spinal cord injuries and amputees, and the second one takes special operators and they dive and save the coral reef. Um, so that's been, been really fun and taking my experience in the SEAL teams and using that to change the swimmer industry and impact amazing foundations. And it's great to be here with uh, my good friends, Brian, Mitch, and Mario. It's like an old reunion going on. So good times. And, and shout out to David Vabora and, and what he does with Adaptive Athlete. We had David on the podcast. I think, Jeff, you introduced us. And what a wise, what a wise soul that guy is. He is a deep yeah, thinker. Totally. Yeah. And uh, that he's about to actually have a baby in July, uh, a baby boy. So really, really excited. Uh, he had the 
funniest hashtag I ever. He has two amazing little girls, but he was an NFL NFL veteran for. Uh, he was in for five years and hashtag praying for a penis and uh, <laughs> the best hashtag I've ever seen. Pretty funny. <laughs> uh, sounds like, sounds like he's going to get that. Uh, Mitch, what a great, great transition to you. Why don't you tell yeah. us about, about your, <laughs> take, take it from there, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Mitch Aguiar. Um, I joined the Navy right out of high school and uh, went to Bud's right away. Uh, went through buds with Jeff Gunn and uh, Mario was a little bit ahead of us and uh, went, I, I actually took us or was on a similar path to Jeff uh, went in at the same time, except he was West coast. I was East coast and uh, both ended up becoming combatives instructors and uh, finished up. Uh, I did, I did deployments to Afghanistan and to Europe and uh Spent 10 years and decided to get out and pursue um, fighting professionally. So I became a professional MMA fighter. And then I also started my own apparel brands and supplement company. And now I'm the CEO of Massive Supplements and uh, or Massive Industries. Uh, we do supplements, apparel, CBD, and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I've been working with, with Jeff Gum quite closely since we've uh, gotten out of the Navy and are both on the entrepreneur path. We have very similar mindsets and uh, like to work with, with groups and give back as much as we can and, um, you know, have fun doing it and think of cool ways to get people involved and, you know, uh, the whole underlying teamwork thing, you know, we, we really try to in, incorporate and involve each other whenever we can and collaborate and uh just you know we're, we're stronger as a team so we like to keep that going uh on the outside and and uh yeah it's all good stuff yeah it's kind of perfectly complimentary mitch mitch's product the smashing greens that if you use them properly basically not only gets you healthier, but gets you really ripped at the same time. <laughs> so it's kind of perfect. You use his product and then you get really ripped and then you look great in my swimwear. So, so maybe yeah. I should come out with some tanning solutions or something, some spray tan. Exactly. <laughs> Three of us can work together. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I have actually, uh, like, I made my professional MMA debut wearing uh jeff gums sunga i i had uh sewn a cup into it and everything and, and made it so that i can actually fight in it in the octagon so that's that's the kind of levels that we're going to support each other. <laughs> so so mitch i want to actually kick it to you first so one of the things i learned from being around the three of you is this idea of seal teams and the, the second piece of it, we often hear SEALs, but I think sometimes people leave off this idea that it, it actually goes together and that teams is a big part of, of being a SEAL. Can you just shed some light on that and, and what that experience is like and what it's like to be part of a team? And, and Jeff, you even talked about, you know, being in SEAL Team 5, you actually name it. So Mitch, maybe you start and, and Mario and Jeff, if at some point you want to jump in, feel free to just do so. I mean, uh the teams portion of it is, is, is everything, you know, uh, you, you're going to, you're not going to get very far on the battlefield by yourself, you know, uh, 
we, we shoot, move and communicate as a team. We're effective as a team. And, you know, we, we have strength in, in our team and, and, uh, being being alone is not a comfortable feeling at all especially you know I could imagine on the battlefield you know I would not feel very comfortable if, if my team was gone you know it it definitely it makes you feel almost invincible knowing that you have such an incredible team you know at your back ready ready to to lay it all out there for you um and you know that that gets ingrained in you in the SEAL teams and then moving forward, you know, uh, and, and I think even, even earlier than that, like in, in sports, you know, team sports, like you, you would feel pretty silly out there on a football field, you versus a whole team, you know, but it's that camaraderie, it's that team knowing that these guys have your back and, you know, we can take on this, whatever the obstacle is. Uh, I think it's super important. And, um, you know, we're, we're continuing that now with uh, Massive and and my company. You know, we're we 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 do everything as a team, and you know, you're only as strong as your weakest links, and it's it's pretty evident in the business world, especially when uh, you know the repercussions are financial ones, and you know it's your bank account that dwindles quickly if the team's not doing well. Uh, you know, and then on the battlefield, obviously, like the team doesn't work well, you're going to suffer some, some, you know, serious casualties and, you know, teamwork is everything. So uh, we take it serious. And, and Jeff, I want to get your perspective. You mentioned something about the company that you're running and the opportunity that you're going to have to actually partner with some other MBAs to try to keep moving the ball forward. But, but talk about teams and, and whether it's, you know, being in the military or being in business, how you've thought about teams and leverage teams. Yeah, it's really the only way to leverage everyone's strength while eliminating everyone's weakness at the same time. You're never going to be able to eliminate your, your own weaknesses completely if you're, if you're just working on things alone. So you can go out, um, find the people who, who are different, even in the SEAL teams, you're going to have your snipers, you're going to have your breachers, you're going to have your heavy machine gunners, you're going to have your JTACs. Um, no, no one's going to be able to have all these skills at once to be able to go out and, and be, the per, be the perfect weapon to go out there. And just, just like in business, you're not, people who are the great engineers aren't necessarily the best at leading or aren't the best at doing the digital marketing. You having a team allows you to go out and literally leverage everyone's strengths and, and not while well, eliminating the weaknesses. It's, it's the only way, only way to do that. And, and Mario, I'm curious about you being around astronauts because as I think about isolation, I can only imagine what it's like to, to be uh, in space. Uh, but they also do those in, in teams. So being around, these people, and I know you said you're about to launch in a couple of weeks. Uh, what have you noticed about how those teams operate and maybe how it's similar and how it's different to what you experienced when you were part of the SEAL teams? So I think it, it, everything goes hand in hand. There's fundamental principles that are part of teamwork um, that you know, kind of spread, permeate all aspects, all fields of teamwork. And I think it all begins with 
training and building trust um, in those around you. We talk about teams, but I mean, how do you form these teams in which you can actually build or which you can, like Mitch was saying, feel absolutely comfortable out in the battlefield. And these, these things begin with training and with building trust. So one of the things we do, the same things we do in, in, you know, in the NASA program, same thing we do in the SEAL teams is we train, shoot, move, communicate. We train and train and train until we almost don't even need to think about these things anymore. We don't even need to communicate. We read body language. It becomes this fluid motion, this, this I can read where you're going. I know, I know you so well through our training that I, I, I can tell how you smell. I can tell how you, how you look on night vision, how your body movements, you know, I know all these things about you. And over at NASA, it's kind of like, it's very similar. I mean, everywhere, it's always training. It's, in fact, it's, it, it's super in-depth training and all the tiniest little details have to be figured out. Because if you make a mistake in, in space, you know, there, there really is no, I mean, it's very similar to combat. There's no real, real way to take it back. You know, you lose a, a piece of gear out on a spacewalk and it goes floating away. I mean, you're not going to get that thing back. And not only are you not going to get that thing back, you're actually putting yourself in danger as it makes its next orbit around. It might come back at you at a certain speed and hit, you know, hit some of the, uh, some of the objects in the space station on the space station, or even, you know, personnel that might be out on the spacewalk. But we do all these things. Every single part of this is written. These procedures are written and reviewed and practiced and trained and communicated with these teams that go in and try to solve all these problems through thought experiments. And that's why we have the neutral buoyancy lab, because we work through these problems. We see where there's, where there's uh, perhaps some grapple fixtures that might be sticking into the primary uh, life-saving subsystem. And so we go and we rehearse these, we rehearse these, we train these so that when it comes time to the real thing, we know every step, we know where everything is. We know the body orientation. We know we've practiced all the communication back and forth. We know all the movements, we know all the procedures. And it, and it just, you know, it just, it, so to me, it's, it's the, the transition has been kind of pretty easy actually, because it's the same thing we experience in the teams. It's all that training and training to build that trust. And, and um, this is the part that I've heard almost every one of these panel discussions I've had people talk about preparation and they all sort of say, Hey, like we had a police chief, Baltimore's police chief, she, she was involved in the Freddie Gray riots and they had to deal with a riot. We had the mayor of Charlottesville after what happened in Charlottesville with the alt-right. We had on negotiation experts who talked about preparation being key. So all these people have talked about preparation, but I'm curious to get each of your perspectives on what, what the, the entire world's going through right now where they have to be isolated or even before we started recording, we were talking about how does Zoom work? And, and a lot of people are having to try to figure out this stuff that they haven't trained for. So Mitch, I'd be curious maybe to start with you because um, you've been in, you know, in the ring. You're now, you mentioned you're, you're an entrepreneur, but uh, been in SEAL teams, but this is different. This is a different experience than perhaps, or maybe it's the same. How do you think about what we're going through right now, being isolated and not knowing what's going to happen with the economy and just dealing with the unknown? Uh, you know, I think it, it boils down to like being adaptive. Uh, we all just have to adapt. And, and I, I think that, uh, everyone's capable of doing it. The human beings are capable of doing it. Uh, honestly, like this whole coronavirus situation has been, it's super interesting to me. Like, and, and I, you know, I know it's a, it's not a, a great thing that's happening, but I kind of see, I, I'm looking for 
the positives in it. And I think that it's uh, bringing unity, you know, like, I think it's kind of, uh, I've said it for years that like, like America has first world problems, you know, like we're, we don't have real problems. We, that's why we're creating our, our problems, you know, like we have running water, you know, like when we go to the bathroom, we flush the toilet goes away. Like when we flip a switch, the light comes on, you know, like we're not hunting down food and, and stuff like real problems, you know what I mean? Starvation and, and, and just survival problems. Like, uh, we, we have comfort problems. And, uh, so, uh, this has been an interesting thing for me kind of to just observe and, and also partake in and be a part of. And, uh, I, I hope that it makes people more grateful and, uh, you know, practice able them enables them to practice more gratitude, uh, just on a daily basis. But yeah, I think, uh, adaptability, you know, like the way that this has unfolded as well. I think if it was something that we needed to do like overnight, you know, like everybody abruptly and halt, go to your room, you know, like, don't, don't come out. I think that we'd be all, I'll be screwed. <laughs> you know, I think, especially in America, because it's a free country, people, <laughs> people don't trust the government. They don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of rebellion. There's a lot of just, oh, this is, you know, not real or whatever. But I think because of the scale of it, you know, this is something that the whole world is dealing with. It's, you know, it's it's unifying or it's uh you know uniting us in a little bit but i think that the timeline of it to where people are slowly having to kind of be introduced to it uh you know like okay they canceled this event they canceled that event now they're canceling all the events but because it's happened over like a two-week period you know or you know it gave some it gave time for people to kind of get used to it and adjust and adapt to it and now it's like kind of getting more severe more severe and i think it's just just become like this is our reality now you know and uh it's been interesting to watch people adapt to it and uh even you know how how ingrained is it in our culture to you see someone like hey how are you doing shake hands it's like well no social distance now <laughs> and uh you know it, it's it's just an adaptation we just have to adapt and and to to be able to overcome and we can do it, you know, it's definitely doable. It just, it requires us to take action and, you know, implement these, these new standards or ways of living. And uh, I think it's pretty cool, honestly. Like, I, I think it's interesting. I don't know. I had on a, uh, a guy who, who was paralyzed boogie boarding when he was a freshman in college and now is in an electronic wheelchair. His name's Josh Basil. And, uh, Josh is an amazing guy. He went on to become a lawyer and goes and, uh, you know, basically fights the state government to get um, rights for people with disabilities. And he talked about kind of the perspective that you're talking about, Mitch, and that we should come out of this better as a society and as, uh, as humanity. And the pieces that you're hitting on are really interesting, which is gratitude, perspective, and like those and adaptability, like those three pieces, if we can be more grateful, have perspective and be adaptable, like, man, there's, there's a lot to be learned for each of us. Well, I, you know, I, I just, I love it because it's, uh, it's like, 
this global pandemic that's happening and it's like, okay, how are we going to beat this? All right, we got to quarantine. Okay, but we have to also still function as a society and people need to survive. So only essential people. Okay. You mean fucking everybody? (laughs) Okay. So we're only going to use, you know, hospital workers. Those are essential. Well, we also need food on the shelves. So grocery stores and we need people to drive the trucks to deliver the food. Okay. We also need mail to go out. All right. We also need electricity to stay on and, water to be, you know, stay going. We also need police and firemen and people, you know, and not to mention, yes, there's a pandemic going on, but you know what else is continuing to go on? Life. And car accidents happen every day, you know, like there's emergencies every day. There's things going on. Still, everything is so interconnected. And I hope that people wake up to that and realize like, you know, like, oh, you know, I hear them on TV, like, you know, thank you to the, to the uh, nurses and doctors. Thank you to the people at the grocery store stocking the shelves, you know, and this and that. And it's like, they were important before all this shit happened, you know, did it take a pan, a global pandemic for you to realize this, you know, like everybody, we're all interconnected and rely on each other. So we should all be thankful and grateful every day for towards each other. And, you know, like I hope, I hope that it, it helps people realize that. I love that. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to come to you next, but just to sort of put a, a period on the end of what Mitch is saying, I've noticed just if you've gone for a walk in your neighborhood, people are smiling more. They're waving to each other. There is this sense of I'm part of something bigger than myself. And whether that's being in a neighborhood or being in an office building and saying hi to the people that are cleaning the bathrooms or uh, you're getting food delivered and thanking the person for delivering the food to your point, Mitch, like those jobs should all, we should all have gratitude for, for those jobs. No job is, is beneath any of us and we should Mm -hmm. feel grateful to have them. Jeff, I'm curious to get your perspective and, and all three of your perspectives on when you are in hostile environments and there, I would imagine there are times where you might be in isolation and you might be, um, in tough situations. And once again, not comparing war to someone sitting on their couch and watching Netflix. Um, but people right now, I think are struggling with something new, being in a new environment, being Mitch talked about having freedom taken away. I think people are just, they, they don't know what to do or they're stuck with their kids and their kids are driving them crazy. Right. Um, but whatever it might be, just talk about what it's like to be in an unknown environment and how you were able to handle that and how teams played a role as well. Yeah, definitely. So my first deployment, I went to Fallujah, Iraq in 2010. And at that point, most of the U.S. was, was, was out of Iraq. We just had, we just had a, on my base specifically, it was a forward operating base. We just had 40, 40 men that were there. It was a SEAL platoon and then another 20 guys as support with our, our, uh, some cooks and Intel and mechanics and CBs. And, um, it was definitely, it was definitely isolating. You know, I didn't, I didn't see a woman for seven months while I was there other than local Iraqis for the most part. And, and it was, it was definitely, it was definitely different, but one, once again, it was, you were, you were with your team and that's why the team is so, 
important. We were there, we were there supporting each other. We had a mission to do at the same time. We were, we were bit busy with that. And, and it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was an amazing time. It was a lot, a lot of, I went through a lot of growth through that experience from, from all the, from all the uncertainty. There was times where all of a sudden the, the U we, they would, it was during, it was during the Obama administration at the time. And there was times all of a sudden for 30 days, they would turn, they would turn off our, our missions. And then all of a sudden it'd be back on. And you're just, you're just always in, in the mindset. You don't, you don't know what's going to, what's going to be going on. You'd be going out and finding different partner for, forces to work with. Um, so it was, it was super interesting. And, and at the same time, you can, you can be growing yourself. I would also, if things would get turned off, you would, uh, so I'd be doing some language training at the same time, or I'd be going out to the range and practicing uh, shooting, getting, getting ready for sniper school um, and for, for when I was going to get back. So you're just constantly trying to self-improve and, and, uh, and just deal, just deal. Yeah. Every, everything is problem solving, whether it was going out to do a mission, nothing is what you plan. Everything is always constantly changing. And that's how it is in business at the same time. A month ago, we have the strongest economy the world has ever seen. Highest stocks are at an all-time high. All of a sudden, someone eats a bat, supposedly in China, and gets this crazy disease, and all of a sudden, the whole world goes through this. Everything gets turned upside down. Stocks fall 20%. All businesses are shut down. I have friends who are trying to we're trying to buy businesses. We're trying to do all di all different types of things, and and uh, all of a sudden, school. I'm in doing my MBA at the same time. All of a sudden, school is remote until June at the at the same at the same time. It's it's uh, just but you just take everything in stride. You you're like, all right, how do I how do I solve this the best I can? And once once you realize nobody's shooting at you, then nothing is really you know that bad everything's about perspective like you and mitch were just talking about and 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 gratitude at the same time and as being like you know what yeah. whatever i'm dealing with and and be happy this is the never before have people been able to do everything remotely this easy as well with with uh with zoom and everything else where people can talk to other people on the other side of the world mit um mitch is in virginia you're in Maryland and Mario's in Texas and I'm in California and we're here having a seamless beautiful conversation like nothing it's and and then Mitch, Mario's talking to people in space and everything it's <laughs> it's constantly you know never before have we been able to do it this easily before and and uh you know 50 years ago what would people be doing if this global pandemic was going on I wouldn't be able to you know I I can communicate with my manufacturers so easily with my, with my designer, with my warehouse, be able to do manage everything. This is like my little, uh, my little control center right here in my, in my home. And I'm just, and I'm having the best sales I've ever, I've ever had before from sitting in my apartment. And it's like, when you, when you give up control, you know, and you're, you're not having to do everything yourself. And that's the team, the team, uh, becomes that much more powerful.
I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of social distancing. And uh, I'm definitely going to continue it even uh, after, <laughs> you know, things blow over and it's, it's back to normal a little bit. You know, I'm going to keep up the social distancing for a bit, I think. Wait, what do you like about it, Mitch? Um, I don't know. I just, I honestly, I like the space. <laughs> I like the space a little bit. It's like, you know, um, I think that it will definitely help uh, cut down on a lot of just, you know, the seasonal flu, like all kinds of shit. Um, so... Yeah, and I don't know. It's just I think the older I get, the more introverted I become, and uh, so right now I'm I'm good with it. I mean, social. I've been social distancing for a while. <laughs> but, now it's just like everyone's catching on. Yeah, I, I think also efficiency is playing a role here. Like people are finding ways to be more efficient, to have important conversations without having to be in person. And it'll be interesting to see how that translates when things are back to normal, whatever that means. Mario, one of the things that was so amazing about our conversation when you came on the podcast and subsequent conversations that we've had is you're, you're pretty open about mental health. And um, I know you're passionate about, you know, reducing suicides and really helping people that get to that, that place. There are people right now that are losing their jobs. Um, there are people that are losing loved ones. There are people that are isolated and lonely and, um, you know, that, that might not be having the response that Mitch is having, right? There are people that might be really struggling with what's going on right now. So I'm curious to get your perspective on what you've been through and from a mental health perspective, how you're, how you're looking at all this and how you're thinking about it. So I think, um, a lot of there's like three books that come to mind as as we're all having this conversation on, you know, on teamwork, on surviving, on isolating. Um, unfortunately, this is one. I don't actually have the answer to this, but this is one instance in this this pandemic in which we're we're limited in what we can do um, at the ex external world. You know, leaving your house. But um, I think what we can hold on to is 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 once we get back to that. Um, to that regular world, we can, we can, I guess, indulge in so, some more of those things that give us meaning. I think this, I don't know that I necessarily agree that, that this, these times right now are producing more than, than their share of, of, you know, harder times. I think we thrive in these experiences. I think uh, if you read Sebastian Junger's Tribe, it's one of the books that I've been, I've been thinking about as we're having this conversation about how we, we sort of, the more we rely on, on, imagined orders as Yuval Harari states in in sapiens like government society all these things are just sort of imagined orders money is an imagined order and the more we we depend on these imagined orders the further we drift from meaning um, but one of the things like like Jeff was talking about in 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 depending so much on that team for survival I had a very similar incident in 2009 when there was just six of us seals and we were surrounded by by Taliban. Um, we were getting attacked all the time. They shot down a helicopter. Uh, we had to figure out a way to get out of here. And, and these seemingly completely uncertain times, you end up fully and wholly de uh, depending on each other as a team. Um, and it gives meaning. Uh, I don't know if my, I cut off there, if it, my computer actually said it, it froze. But anyway, oh, good, so we, 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 uh, we, we, I guess we discover meaning. Um, 
when it comes to mental, like the mental health aspect of it, I mean, like I said, I don't really have the answer. I know what works for me. Unfortunately, I can't just, you know, give the answer, but these are, these are times to work on ourselves. We still have access to, to things that I have a hard time getting bored. You know, I, I, I don't understand how people can get bored at times like these. I understand how they can sort of lose relevancy in a way, being that they're, you know, away from, from society in general, if their job was really focused on, on, or central, you know, centric on people and helping people, then yeah, I could kind of hurt. But this is our time to, to work it on ourselves, like Jeff was talking about. I have, I have little passions like astronomy and, and little passions like psychology and all these things. And I find these, this is a perfect time to immerse myself in these things. Um, but yeah, I don't know, when it comes to that mental health question, it's, it's rough. I think we, you know, going circling back to the team, um, I'll, I'll say one thing uh, that I wanted that I wanted to mention earlier, and it was uh, one of my all-time favorite books is is Miracle in the Andes. I always I always uh, kind of like um, uh, show this book anytime I do a live, and people ask me what book is is do I recommend reading, and it's all about teamwork. It's about the 1972 Uruguayan um, uh, rugby team that crashed in the Andes Mountains, and they had to resort to eating their dead um, to survive, and they were there. But if you read that book, he talks about almost from the beginning, the fact that they were a rugby team and they had sort of a structure and they had rehearsed and they knew each other and they knew each other's personalities. And like Jeff was saying, they knew their each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses and they knew how to play those against each other. That's how they were able to survive. And, uh, you know, trying to turn that, trying to, you know, see the parallels today, I think. I don't know. We just kind of sort of have to depend on each other in a remote sense. You know, I mean, here we are. Look at look at the four of us sitting here. We're we're here. We're making it happen. We're making it work. Yeah, it's Mitch. I'm curious to get your perspective. It seems like you're about to riff on that, but also as a CEO and 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 having a team of people. If there's anything you're doing to to sort of, if you're doing anything differently, or if it's just business as usual, I'm, I'd just be curious to get that perspective. But feel free to also riff on what Mario was talking about. Yeah, um, I mean, my I kind of have a similar situate or a similar background with like Jeff was saying like his deployment he was in a small forward operating base I when I deployed to Afghanistan we were the furthest outpost from any major base in Afghanistan and uh, you know it was we were only at a place that was probably a hundred yards by a hundred yards you know and there was probably yeah like 40 of us there and uh, to include you know our 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 uh, techs and everything that were there you know so there was a platoon of seals there was some army green berets there um and then our techs and, and you, you had know, like an extra long deployment right you were there yeah. even and that was unexpected too yeah yeah last second last second i mean <laughs> it was almost on like a month's notice if that and they were like uh hey we basically need you to do two deployments back to back and you know and my, my platoon just happened to be the furthest outpost from any major base. We had no running water, uh, no, you know, no food. We we're eating MREs and, uh, you know, we'd pay the locals to cook up goats and stuff on occasion, um, which was really good. You know, fresh, fresh food is not, it was very scarce and hard to come by and, um, just really hard living and, and kind of quarantined in a sense, like, isolated from the rest of the world for sure and 
you know, we didn't have coronavirus, but we had IEDs everywhere. So it was <laughs> like leaving, leaving the compound is definitely, you know, you never know what you're going to run into out there. And, uh, and it definitely was a, a great sense of unity, you know, unity and, and adapting. We had to, you know, we went from the regular America living here, you know, beautiful freedom and safety, you know, to an extent, and then bam, drop there. And, uh, you know, remote had to do everything, you know, all contact with the outside world was, you know, via Skype or whatever, like with your loved ones and everything like that. Um, we, you, as a unit, we had to not only conduct our missions, but also like, like we were literally, you know, sleeping in tents and stuff and had to fill fill hescos and and fill sandbags and and like on, we would we would also do a watch every night you know rotating watch so because our base would get attacked and everything so um it was it was a great sense of team and and in a sense we were quarantined as well you know and when we went out like we had to be on high alert so it was very similar to this kind of situation different different enemy uh different you know, little differences here and there, obviously, but uh, kind of a similar experience in a way. Mitch, uh, how, how did how did that impact you as a leader, uh, as someone who's now running a, a company? How did that experience impact how you're handling this with with your team? Um, I I just, you know, all of that stuff in my past has just it's been a learning experience and um, honestly it just makes me grateful for things. It makes me realize like that it could be worse, you know, and to uh, just keep, just keep doing what needs to be done, you know, and uh, not complaining, you know, like Jeff was saying, we're not getting shot at, you know, like there's, it's, there's stressful things, you know, in business for sure. Uh, it's, I've never been more stressed out than running, running a company, but you know, you have to, it helps keep me grounded and like, remember at times I have to check myself, like it could be worse, you know, like I'm not in a minefield. I'm not being shot at, uh, you know what I mean? Like I have running water, I have food, you know? Uh, so it, it's, it's really more of just a perspective thing. And that helps me control my emotions, which I think controlling your emotions is, you know, super, super important as a leader, um, you know, because things are going to go wrong. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, you can't be getting upset about it is not going to do anything to improve the situation. And, and if anything, it's only going to make you make worse decisions. So being able to, you know, uh, reflect on my, my past and allow it to, to grip my current perspective, you know, and keep, keep me in control of my emotions that, that helps me as a leader today in the business world. And, uh, you know, and like things, uh, you know, you just have to adapt to constantly solve problems. And, and that's how I just look at this whole 
coronavirus thing is it's just like anything else in life, you know, life throws you curveballs constantly every single day. I mean, you know, you get up and you think that this is, you know, you have a little plan and it 99% of the time doesn't go as planned and you just have to make little, you know, it might not be drastically, you know, off the rails, but you have to constantly make little adjustments throughout your day and, you know, bigger problems, you just have to make bigger adjustments. And this is obviously a big problem uh, for a lot of businesses and a lot of businesses are just having to make adjustments to, you know, restaurants are now doing takeout and, you know, instead of, you know, having people in their place. And uh, luckily for Massive, we're, we're an online store mostly. And uh, so, and our supplement is actually like a, it's a USDA certified organic, you know, superfood blend. So it's designed to, you know, we're already promoting people to get healthy and lose weight and, you know, live a healthier life. And it's also a freeze dried, product that you just add water to and it's essentially a meal replacement you know for so you have 30 meals in this jar and uh it's good anytime just add water kind of thing so for us it's like not really a, a bad you know problem or i guess you know what i mean other than like just people being uh a little bit concerned probably about the economy or just all the things people are kind of you know probably a little bit hesitant to spend money unnecessarily but like I said right now everyone's focused on getting healthier you know like because this is all in our face and um you know so and I think also for a lot of people they have this time where you know the life has just kind of said hey pause for a second you know and we a lot of us have more time on our hands now to kind of reflect on how we're living our life and uh you know i think a lot of people are wanting to take their health more serious and stuff like that and you know um like here at massive you know i i i've been doing some uh like i do live streams and stuff with my instagram following and a lot of people are into fitness and pushing themselves so like last week we did a uh a thousand push-ups in an hour challenge and you know I posted it and invited people you know if they wanted to join the live stream or or you know that they can participate and we can all do it together you know so it was basically a zoom call with hundreds of people you know and and we're all you know and that's something that you can do in your in your house you know you don't need a special gym you just need a floor and and you know a good mental positive mental attitude and put in some effort and uh you know and I think everyone who participated you know we had tons of messages saying they loved it and it was awesome and you know um it's just that so that's kind of some of the adjustments we've been making um and just trying to make the most of it and trying to encourage other people you know I've been saying like attitude is just as contagious as coronavirus so you know <laughs> make sure you're you got a good awesome. good good attitude positive mental mindset you know and and uh yeah yeah and, and mitch i think what you're also talking about is 
A, when we're part of something bigger than ourselves, our happiness increases. This idea that Mario was talking about before, which is meaning and finding purpose and having a mission and having um, a, a why and, and knowing sort of our mission as far as what we're doing. And Mario, I want to kick it over to you because two things came up in my head when Mitch was talking. One was I remember being in elementary school and then having us try uh, astronaut like ice cream and food and it came in this little package. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but I remember Dippin' Dots, I believe, isn't it? <laughs> it was like, yeah, Dippin' Dots took it and ran with it, <laughs> but it was not tasty. Um, and so Mitch, as you're talking about sort of your greens and having it be instant and like being able to just consume that and taste, taste good and feel good and, and healthy. But Mario, I'm, I'm assuming when, when the astronauts go up, they've got a, have stuff that they can use up there that's different than down here. And so there's, there's something unique going on there. And then two, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit around meaning because you hit on it earlier. And I think Mitch is sort of talking about, Hey, I want to have people be healthier so they can deal with viruses. I want people to be healthier so they can live, you know, healthy lives. And that's driving probably a lot of what Mitch is doing. So for you, Mario, the two questions are one, talk about, ways that astronauts prepare so that when they're in isolation, they're able to handle it. And two, the meaning behind the work that you're doing and the decision that this is a dream and it's something that you wanted to pursue. And um, I would love to hear you tackle those, those two questions. Sure. Well, first, you, need to, you need to make sure that the uh, International Space Station is, uh, they're, they're, make sure that their cover is stocked with smashing green. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the what's interesting is they actually have a microwave and, and devices up there to, to heat their food. The, the very fortunate thing that I've heard is uh, the food has made leaps and bounds, the, all the different types of food. So what you probably saw as a kid is nowhere near the quality of the stuff that they have today. Um, they actually have a lot of really good food and they cater food to, to each, each um, subject, to each astronaut. So prior to, you know, in the months, in the year or so, or more prior to them going up, they, they actually get what they like and, and what they're okay with eating. Um, they, they prep it for them. They have them start actually eating it, seeing how it reacts with their body. And then they kind of package it up and then send it up before they even get there. One of the really bad things about that, however, is if an astronaut gets sick and the replacement has to come up and go up, that replacement doesn't get his own food. He has to, or she has to consume six months or whatever worth of whatever that the primary who couldn't actually go on the trip. So, so it's out of their control entirely. Um, but they do have, they do have um, a lot of obviously dry foods and I'll have them send some of Mitch's stuff here <laughs> pretty soon. Um, Back yeah, in my so, day, we used to have to <laughs> eat whatever they gave us, spoiled astronauts. They have, they, they have um, isolation training. So they, they do put them in these isolation tanks and, and a lot of the astronauts from what I've read find it as sort of a peaceful time, sort of like when we're in, when we're in Sears school, they put us in these kind of like dog houses, these little, or boxes, you know, specifically, you know, if you're a big person, there's a slightly bigger box. If you're a small person, there's a slightly smaller box. And, and so these opportunities for, for me and for these astronauts, as I've read is, is pretty much just a, a time to kind of chill out, to slow down, to relax, to sing songs, to try to remember lyrics of entire songs, you know, and, and kind of just meditate or, or think. Um, so they do do a lot of these things prior to going up. Uh, as far as quarantine, these astronauts already go on quarantines. I'm sure you already know this. They're uh, about a month out prior to uh, prior to 
you know, leaving for the International Space Station, they, they're not completely or entirely isolated, but they are isolated from most of the general public. They are allowed to go do stuff, go outside, go on runs, train. Um, and they, they are allowed to, to have, um, you know, some kind of connection with, with their loved ones and their family member, but even they have to be within that isolation or that quarantine. It's only as it ramps up sort of within the last few, you know, few weeks and you know, kind of cut them off until they, and you have, you have to talk to these plate glass or, you know, a plexiglass. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's it for that. And, and going back to the, um, to the meaning, I think meaning is, is, uh, you know, we all, we all find meaning, but like in our own way, however, what Sebastian Junger in his book Tribe describes is it's in these, these uncertain times in life, these moments in which we really start looking to help others. How, how can we help others? You did it do with this whole series of, of uh, Zoom videos that you're doing. You, your first question when this went down was how can I produce something or, or do something to help other people? We find meaning. And these things are oftentimes we're lacking in our everyday life. Uh, we might be, we can be, I, I think a lot of us do obviously, in fact, um, and, and this kind of what I was talking about with these imagined orders, um, we sometimes rely too heavily on all these, you know, umbrellas around us to sort of coddle and carry us throughout our, our whole lives. And we sort of lose meaning. Um, Sebastian Junger talks about how, it, you know, he, he did research on some studies in Kosovo and during World War II in Great Britain you know, where, where there was these, these just really uncertain times and scary times and people would kind of bound together, which is what we're seeing. We're, yes, we're isolated, but when you do walk down that street, like you said earlier, people are smiling at each other. We know we're in something and we're in something together. Um, and I think it, it's sort of, even for the most downtrodden person out there right now, they feel like, hey, they can do something. Even if it means smiling to a stranger that's, you know, walking at least six feet away from them or more across the street, uh, it's something. It's giving us us this weird meaning, and I think that's that's kind of why I like it. I mean, that might be why why Mitch really likes it. I, that's kind of what I gathered is because, you know, now now he has a he has like a front on which he can work to help people even more. You know, there there's hey, look, I have this product, I have this this thing I can do. It's it's actually giving me more meaning. And it, what's what I hope doesn't happen. What I what might be sad is that once this if we all go back to normal soon that we lose this or that we forget this and then people start, you know, voluntarily crawling back into their holes and not, and, and lose that sense of meaning or trying to find that meaning in helping each other or ways to help each other. You did it, you know, uh, Mitch, you're doing it, Jeff, you're doing it. I'm trying to do it, you know, trying to like answer questions on, on social media or, or, you know, even writing my book, it gives me more time to, to put up, put out a product that sort of helps others. And all these things sort of give us meaning, I think. Yeah. Jeff, I'm going to go to you in a minute, but uh, there's two things that Mitch and Mario have said. One is everyone, you know, you all volunteered to go and serve in the military. Some of you knew exactly why you were doing it. Some of you just raised your hand uh, and said, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go do it. But um, the, what, what's interesting about this is that it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your economic situation. Like you're being told to sit your ass at home and they don't, you know, unless, as Mitch was saying, you have to go work essential business, but everybody is experiencing this right now, really all over the world. And there is something human about that, that none of us are above this. Um, and it's not like, I think in the past, Americans see Ebola and they're like, oh, that's just in Africa. It doesn't even hit us. Well, 
here it is, right? And, and now you have to feel it. And to, to Mitch's point earlier, I think one of the things that I'm thinking about now is, yeah, if this hits Africa, they're screwed because a lot of those places don't even have water. Uh, so wash your hands. Like, that's a privilege that we can even wash our hands. And there's places all over the world that don't even have running water. Um, so that, that's one thought that I'm, that I'm thinking about. And then the other is, to Mario's point about people willing to want to help, I sent out these, I sent you guys a text, I think last week, not, you know, a couple of days ago, hey, do you guys want to get together and make this happen? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. I think most people want to help other people and most people are, are, are inherently good. Are there bad guys? You guys have seen bad guys up close and personal. I'm not here to tell you that everybody in this world is good, but I think what you'll find is most people want to help their neighbor. Most people want to be in service. And I think that's a very human condition to Mario's point. Um, Jeff, I want to talk well, about low... Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna kind of go off of your point. Like this thing, you know, it doesn't matter. It, that's the cool thing about it. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, you know, Muslim, or you know, it it doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. This, this is, you know, you are susceptible to this as well, and um, you know that the unit, the whole unit the unification of it is, is awesome. And, uh, you know, it, it sucks. It's obviously, you know, not a good thing that we're experiencing, but like I said, there, there can be some good things to take away from it. And that, that common ground that we're all facing this, this common enemy, you know, and, and, uh, it's like, like in, like on nine 11, you know, for the people that were at ground zero at the world trade centers, you know, there's something seriously, you know, going on right now. And like people were just coming together to help each other. It didn't matter who you were all of a sudden we all became one real quick you know, or they, you know, they all were became one real quick and, uh, and came together to help each other. And, um, you know, that's definitely, and I think you will see that in, in, uh, people you're going to see, you're going to see, the panicky like shit fighting over fucking toilet paper and just ridiculousness and craziness, you know, you're going to see that, but you're also going to see, you know, other people that are wanting to help like the, you know, the Ford plants and, and stuff like that. They're like, Hey, we can help, you know, let's get this done. And, and even in the politics, it's kind of nice for a change, you know, to just, you can, it's still going on, but to an extent, but for the most part, it's like, Hey, like, let's set aside our differences. Like what really needs to happen right now. And like, you know, this is a no bullshit kind of thing. So that's been really nice. Yeah. The research on, and I got to find this research. I read it at some point on when we're in chaotic or crisis situation is that people tend to actually help and they tend to not panic. And so the narrative that people are, Mitch, to your point, like everyone's just taking for themselves and, and hoarding. Yes, there are always going to be people that act a fool, but most people are trying to figure out how they can be in service to people. Um, Jeff, for, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead. Jeff, go ahead, Jeff. I, I want to get your perspective on loneliness because one of the things I do a lot of executive, <laughs> executive coaching, Mitch is laughing, but Mitch, this is actually going to be relevant to you because- entrepreneurs, especially people that are trying to create and innovate and do things can sometimes feel isolated and lonely. And I know a lot of my clients right now are struggling with 
tough decisions when it comes to laying people off. What do they do with the business? Some of them were trying to raise money. Can they still do that? There's just this huge unknown. And unlike, I think, 2008, 2009, where it was sort of this gradual issue. It's like you said, a month ago, all these people were moving in a certain direction and now they're just frozen or halted or trying to figure out how to pivot. So regardless of where you are with your, with your company, you mentioned things are still going really well. How do you think about it from an entrepreneur's perspective and, and loneliness? And I know you're around a lot of people in grad school who are probably going through this. So I'd love to get your perspective on what it's like to be an entrepreneur in a time of unknown. Definitely, and and a lot of times, you, when when you first when you first create a company, a lot of times you're you're doing it alone. And the last couple of years, I've been ma- mainly by myself. I had some external team members. I had my manufacturer. I had my, which was you know in another country. I had my designer, which was in another state. But uh. I'd have product come in and I'd be packing it alone till five in the morning, getting it ready to be shipped out first thing in the morning. And it can definitely be lonely until you can really build that cash flow. And then you can start to build out, build out your team. And now like my company was accepted for the business creation option at UCLA Anderson. And now I have a team of four other MBAs that are, that are, that I'm working with. And we just went through the business plan development and got our A's and that, which got us accepted for, for it to be our master's thesis now. So it's, it's almost like just absolute, absolute leveling up with, with everything going on there. Um, but you know, when you, when you're able to be successful on your own and then you can go and build in, build the team, out of it it's just i'm so excited for where where i'm going to be able to go next and, and how, a lot of jeff how are you, know you work how are you working with those four people right now like give me the last two weeks because once again i think a lot of people might be in a similar spot to you and they're trying to figure out well how do i work with these teams remotely how do we work together what's that experience been like for you in real time yeah so so we actually we have a we have used like a it's a software program called Asana and we can kind of put our tasks all on there and we can talk about everything. Uh, one of the guys is a really good biomedical engineer and he's really good at kind of operations and everything. And he's been kind of, he made our pitch deck like really awesome for our, our, our presentation ended up having to be on zoom for our, for our final. And he really helped make, take my pitch deck to the next level and then uh, the other guy was really, he, he was an entrepreneur as, as well, had a company with several employees and he had all kinds of good ideas for scaling it to the next level. And we're just all communicating. We, we start working on the parts that we need. They're, they had different ideas and were able to really research some stuff and saw the massive potential with, with my company at the same time, looking at companies that are similar who have raised one raised 15 million dollars the other one raised 45 million dollars and made us realize the potential with and they don't have nearly as cool of a story as i do and our products aren't nearly as differentiated so seeing that massive potential and then my professor actually he was cfo for packard bell and we were saying our company should be 
doing $140 million of revenue. And he says, we're thinking too small. So it's really cool to hear all that. And, and I'm just so excited to see where, where it's going to go. And constantly things are going to be going, going wrong. And you can focus on the problem or you can focus on the opportunity that's going to come out of it. And, and because this happened, it forced me. I'm like, I got to get, I, I had swimwear in boxes just going all around my apartment, all over the place. And I was still, I was using Amazon to ship stuff out, but I was shipping out a lot of things myself. And I'm like, I, I am not able to scale myself and I cannot be shipping stuff out, especially if I'm, I don't want to be exposing myself, having to go out all the time to ship things. And I got everything into a, into a warehouse where they're, they're an essential business, a logistic logistical center and they're shipping everything out for me now. And now I'm able to focus more on the marketing, hired a Facebook advertiser. My sales are probably three or four times what they were last year at this point. So, um, and then, you know, having that foundation at the, at the same time with my, with my SEAL background, like you never want your dreams to be bigger than your memories. And a lot of people, a lot of SEALs, a lot of athletes can struggle when they're transitioning out and they think what I just did was the most meaningful thing in my life when really it was the most incredible experience that you can use to level yourself up as you go into the next thing. And now because of what I've done, whether it's the context or the mindset or the problems that I've solved before, now you can focus on even, even bigger ones. I think what you just said, I just want to really emphasize that that is such a cool phrase. I've never heard it phrased like that with dreams and memories, because I think a lot of people, even the people that think of their high school, high school days, like being captain of the football team and those were the glory days and, yeah. and they still talk about them in that way. And yep. like, to me, I, I want life to continue to progress and to continue making exactly. new memories. And, yep. um, you know, I think, there is an appreciation for the past. But I think one of the things I appreciate about the three of you is, and to your point, Jeff, I see it all the time with athletes really struggle with, with that identity and military. I've done some work coaching military. I think it's, it's similar in that they've had these epic experiences that were so emotional and so visceral. And they're like, oh, well, it's never going to be the same. And I think, Mitch, you were one of the first people to say like, man, what I'm doing now, and you just said, like running a business is the most stressful thing I've ever done. I mean, that's like a really fascinating statement. Mario, you went to, to Columbia and then, you know, I want to become an astronaut. And Jeff, you're talking about building, you know, multi-million dollar business. It's, that perspective is also really important. So I think what I've gleaned from our conversation today is to have perspective on where I've been so that I can have perspective on where I want to go. And it sounds like the three of you have done that in some regard. Mitch, it looks like you're, you're you know, itching to say something. <laughs> well, like, uh, you know, one of the, the best uh, analogies I've ever heard was like, you know, when you, when you climb a mountain, you know, or someone climbs, climbs a mountain, you know, uh, you know, one that, that's, that's a relatively hard mountain, like our friend Kyle uh, Maynard, you know, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He's a, a quadru- uh, born uh, congenital amputee, so he has no arms and legs, um, you know, and he bear crawled up Mount Kilimanjaro and uh, Mount Iconcagua. And, you know, when you, when you get to the top of a, of a mountain like that, you know, you, you don't, 
you don't build a house up there, you know, like you take in the view, you, you know, take, you know, you think about the journey and everything that you just went through and lessons learned and, you know, you take it in, soak it in, but, but you don't stay up there and build a house. You fucking go climb another mountain, you know, and that's kind of how I, how I look at life and, and, uh, or if you want to, you know, like a book, you know, like the SEAL teams, that was, that was one chapter, you know, of my book and, and Mar Mario right now is writing a book, you know, and so I'm sure, you know, in his, his life, there's, it's, it's, it's not one dimensional, you know, so I'm sure there's literally going to be chapters on different parts of his life, you know, and SEAL teams is one of them. Columbia is one of them being, you know, the program he's in now is one of them. And, uh, so that, that's, that's what I, what I kind of have to say with, with all that. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. We have, we have chapters of our life and we want to keep creating chapters. And I think the coronavirus is going to be a chapter for a lot of people. It's, it's a, it's, well, we don't know how long it's going to last for, but I think it's going to impact how we handle it and what our attitude is to Mitch's point and what we decide to do with this time will have an impact. Um, what I wanted to end with was to give each of you an opportunity to either ask somebody else a question or to share an insight that you had during our conversation today. And Mario, I'm going to start with you, then we'll go to Jeff and we'll end with Mitch. And so Mario, do you have a question for any of the other guys or an insight I know you like to write notes and I see you over there, uh, penning some paper down. So is there an insight that you have or a question that you Nerd. have for, for someone else? <laughs> yeah. Mitch yeah, is the only one you know. not taking, I think Jeff's taking notes too. Um, are you taking notes, Jeff? He's in school, you know, it's, Oh yeah. So Jeff, there you go. There it is. Yeah, I, hey, I well, also these, take notes. you guys all know me. I, I hey, we focus on notes. our strengths over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for me, I think one of the, uh, one of the things that I've been writing down is, is how something like a pandemic has sort of exposed the frailty of human society and, and this dependency on all these external things, you know, and, um, I think we've all hit it, uh, all three of us, all four of us really is, is how we can use these times, these sort of this forced isolation in, in a, several ways, how we can, you know, help others obviously give ourselves meaning, but how can we can better ourselves? And uh, it seems like what it sounds like what I've gathered from all of you is, is we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to, trying to you know, I'm, I'm over here reading books. I'm, I'm on, you know, reading a topical book right now, The Stand, uh, Stephen King. I'm about a third of the way through it. And it's about Small a virus, a pandemic that takes over the world. And, and, you know, it sort of ends up building these sort of factions and, and, and you, you see how they get to help themselves and how they help others around them. So it's very, it's very topical. It's super interesting also. But these things are bettering ourselves. It, it, it helps me to, you know, become a better writer the more I read for, for Jeff and, and for Mitch also, you know, the more that they use this time to study, they can study the schematics of, of business and how they can scale their, their watch posts. So I think we're all, I think we're all pretty, pretty good on, on what we're doing. And, and what we need to do now is sort of push these lessons outward, make sure others are actually, you know, digesting and hearing and, and sort of accepting and then doing it the same with their things. Awesome. Jeff, you want to go next? Yeah. So, one of the biggest lessons I've had is to really be thankful for the challenges that I've been through. Things that I thought were the worst thing to ever happen to me at the time, like when I was in SEAL training, I got, I got really sick in Hell Week and was actually performance dropped 
but was able to talk my way in, start all the way over at the beginning, was still sick, was like, what is going on? Finally, they figured out what it was. I got healthy. And then all of a sudden, I was like laughing my way through, through Hell Week, my second time doing it. And at the time, I thought it was horrible. But then looking back on it, nothing is nearly as challenging to me anymore as that. And everything's about perspective. And it's, and it's been so important for me with business as everything's gone, gone forward with that. Whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, hey, remember when you were in SEAL training and everything went wrong? Just learn what you can from it and, and uh, continue to grow and, and problem solve. So Mitch and Mario, what are some things that have happened where you, you, you thought it was like, this sucks at the time and then, and then ended up being a great learning experience and made you better, whether it was at things with uh, NASA or with, or with the business lately? I'll let you go first, Mario. Um, so, you know, there's, there's sort of things that seem catastrophic, like you were saying at the time, things that are like earth shattering or dream shattering. I, I, uh, I went and applied for a specific team um, while I was in the, in the military and I got told to apply again the, the following year um, and that it wasn't going to be possible because I had to do a two-year instructor billet. And it kind of shattered all my dreams. And what, what happened for me was I ended up getting out of the military. And, and the reasons for why I got denied that, which I cursed and I was angry and I was, you know, in a rage for a long time, ended up being the biggest blessing of my life. And, and from that, I've learned, and I see it every time it happens to me, every time things never work out, things always buff out. They always end up working out. So it, it, I've, I've grown so accustomed to, to, to when things don't work out the way that I want, I say it, it, it you know, it's like second nature now where I, I say to myself, well, you know, it's just, you know, this, it's going to be better. It's better this way. Um, it, it's sort of a, a lesson that I just learned and relearned over and over again. And I still apply it, you know, things always buff out. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know we're going to go to Mitch to answer, but there's something that just popped up for me as you were talking about it. It's not that things always work out. It's that your capacity to be able to handle what, happens in the future is is strong and so yeah. like bad things happen in life um like bad things happen and there's gonna continue to be bad things that happen the longer you live the more bad things will happen but your capacity to be able to handle it is, is stronger and so i just that to me is it, there's like a subtle distinction in there because i think sometimes people hear oh well yeah, it always works out for the better. It's not necessarily that it works out for the better. It's that your capacity to handle those bad things is stronger so that you can learn from it and grow from it and handle it in a different way. Would you? So, would you yeah, where I, whereas I agree with you on most occasions or on a lot of occasions, I, what I'm saying about this particular, one of the most devastating things that happened, it actually allowed me to, to uncapsulate that sort of uh, enclosed type of thinking because I was locked into a certain way of thinking. And I'm sure if I had, you know, been permitted to go in there, my thinking would have only further encapsulated itself. But when it shattered, when those, when that capsule shattered and I was allowed to actually think freely, free thought, I was able to tell myself, you know what, it's so much better that this happened because it allowed me to think outside of this. Uh, it gave me greater perspective. And, and I can see now looking back that uh, that would have been more detrimental to me and to my relationships to the outside world um, 
had I been actually accepted over to that team. And, and, and so now I'm actually real thankful. I'm very thankful that I, that I never went over to that team because it, you know, you know, it would have, I wouldn't be where I am today had I, you know, been accepted. And where I am today is, is just supremely, I mean, my natural state of being is, is so satisfied and so happy and so content. I'm not complacent. Obviously I want to keep, you know, achieving uh, things, but I am satisfied. I'm a satisfied person. And if I had to die tomorrow, I, I would be satisfied with what I did in my life and what I've done. Um, and all this is thankful, you know, because I didn't get that opportunity. And, and here I am like praising uh, that, that really awful thing that I thought was awful back then. My guy, Mario, I worked with a basketball team once that said they had on the back of their shirt that said satisfaction is the enemy of success. And I like, I love the coach, awesome leader, awesome coach. But I just was like, man, I think we want to have satisfaction. I think satisfaction is a good thing. And I knew where he was coming from. The team had had success the year before. He didn't want them to rest on their laurels and become complacent. But I challenged him on that. And it, once again, if you look at the science around fulfillment, happiness, what it means to live a meaningful life, it involves fulfillment and, and satisfaction. And so I love the distinction between satisfaction and complacency. And I actually have a model, which I'll share with you. And you're welcome to throw it in your book if you want. But like, I actually think satisfaction is linked to success. The more satisfied and fulfilled I feel, the more likely I'm going to feel successful. And complacency to me is actually what drives failure. The more complacent I am, the more likely I am to be fail, uh, be a, a, be, uh, have an event of failure. And if you actually think about it, complacency is the enemy of success. And then satisfaction is actually the enemy of failure. And so I'll, I'll send you the little, yeah, I'll take a picture great. and send it to you. But I think you're, you're on it, man. Uh, Mitch, all right. Uh, give us your perspective on what Jeff was asking about minutes ago. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> I can't remember it now. Uh, yeah, there's been so many different things, uh, that have happened like that. Uh, just recently, uh, you know, we had, uh, we, we, my company is kind of blown up, uh, over the last year and we were selling a ton of product and, uh, we actually like sold out, uh, like maybe a month, a month, uh, sooner than, than anticipated. And I had even built in, you know, uh, buffers because of previous, you know, sellouts. And, and it was like, mm -hmm. shit, we don't want to ever experience that again because it was, it's, it's, it's such a horrible feeling as a business owner and entrepreneur, like, especially when you're having some success and, all of a sudden it's just, you feel like it's derailed because people are wanting to buy your stuff and you don't have any stuff to give them. And you're just like, Oh my God, this is the worst shit ever. You know? So, uh, we had even built in buffers for our like resupply and just in case anything crazy happened, you know, or whatever, but we still just outsold it. And, uh, we were going to be with two weeks without product. And, um, and, just sent a, a bundle of greens over to Amazon just to sort of get that footprint or whatever that foothold. And so we'd sent a bunch of greens to Amazon and then we had run out in our actual warehouse. So it was like, shit, like we don't have any greens to sell and people are wanting greens. And, but then it was like, okay, well, I guess this is a perfect time to announce that we're also carrying them on Amazon. And, you know, so then everyone, 
that wanted greens at that time could only get them through Amazon. So it kind of like right away successfully launched us on Amazon and then drove us up in the rankings because we sold so many right away and they almost shut, they like flagged our account because they were like, you know, you're getting way too many reviews, like, you know, reviews on the product and not many, you're getting more reviews than you've had units sold because they're all of our customers from the, you know, from the past, obviously that are like, Hey, yeah, the greens are legit. They're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, uh, Amazon's looking at this, like it's fraudulent or something, you know? And, but it didn't, so it ended up like working out, you know, it ended up uh, being a good thing. And, and uh, so it, you know, it's, you just got to adapt and make the best of the situations, you know, control what you can control and let go of what you can't because you're just going to piss yourself off and, and stress yourself out over, over things that you can't control anyway. So, you know, uh, the more, like I said, it comes back to like the more in control you are of your emotions, then the better decision-making, you know, you'll be able to make and okay, Mitch, the better decisions you'll be able to make. Any other insight from today or a question for, for either of the guys? Um, I thought it was, you know, something you had brought up, like, uh, you know, we volunteered to go to war and like be on the front lines and, and, and fight and stuff like that. And, uh, this, this whole pandemic and everything, um, you know, just something for me, like they, they say like the, the doctors and nurses who are, um, you know, essentially they're on the front lines right now battling this, this, uh, disease and saving lives. And they're, they're on the front lines in my opinion. And, um, they're saying that those doctors and nurses that are being like, uh, heavily exposed to it, like are, are getting it worse, you know, are experiencing worse, uh, symptoms and cases than others. And, um, you know, and they, yes, they signed up to save people and this and that, but they didn't expect, I'm sure to be, you know, face to face with this like virus that could kill them or whatever. So, um, you know, it's just, I have like an extra appreciation for, for them and their service, just like I'm sure most Americans do for, you know, veterans fighting and stuff like that. But this is a, a different battlefield, that's all, you know, and uh, different enemy. And, um, you know, and, and coming back to the whole team thing and, you know, wanting to support the, you know, uh, everyone and we're stronger as a team, like, that's, you know, when I came, when I started fighting, uh, I reached out to several, you know, seal owned companies and, and stuff like that. Friends of mine that had businesses and was like, Hey, do you want to sponsor me, you know, and, and fighting or whatever. And a lot of, and, and they all did, you know, and they wanted to show their support and they helped kind of, they helped me in that at that time. And, and, uh, I was very appreciative obviously. And, you know, moving forward, I went on and did my things, created my company and I'm still fighting and all that. But, uh, now like you look back, okay, who's affected by this in my team, you know? So my friends, you know, okay, Jeff's doing great. You know, Mario's good. Okay. Who, who are some other people that may be struggling? Okay. I have a friend who owns, a restaurant anchor alleys you know they're obviously in, impacted by this pretty pretty bad and i reached out to them they weren't you know hey how are you guys doing not good okay 
got it. Uh, another one is Bold Mariner, you know, they're, they're a brewery. And, uh, hey, how are you guys doing? Not good. Sales are way down. Like, okay, shit. So what can we do to help them, you know? Um, and, like, being an entrepreneur, I feel like I'm just constantly looking for problems to solve, you know? And I, I try to create win-win situations, you know? So I looked at that and said, okay, well, why don't we have Anchor Alley's cater you know to the uh some of the the units the in the hospital that are on the front lines battling this thing so uh you know it gets gets them some business and also is a thank you and you know to to the people on the front lines way to support them and then also you know we're donating or we're making the, these vouchers that we're going to hand out to the workers there that they can go to bold mariner and get a six pack of craft beer, you know, as like a way to relax and stuff on their downtime because, you know, that, that, that I would imagine that's gotta be very stressful for them. You know, it's stressful for everybody right now, but for the people on the front lines, you know, especially. So that's something that like, you know, we can still do or as a team, you know, we can, I can lead by example and, and show other people that you can still, help everyone out and you know if you're in a position to whatever and it's just like a good thing i love that and it's a it's a great place for us to con- to start to wind down because look like those restaurants are just unlucky right now they're unlucky that this is unprecedented that people just aren't allowed to go to restaurants it's never happened right. and they didn't sign up for that either and um i think for all of us to have that grace towards our fellow humans and understand like this, this literally it's, it's luck. Like that, that is just an unlucky situation for them to be in. So the fact that you're taking action, I'm starting to, my head's spinning as far as what I can continue to do to try to help support those people. One last question for you all. I know I said the last one would be the last one, but you sparked something for me, Mitch was, so there's people are always unsure of what to say to our military people is thank you for our service. Thank you for your service. Is that something that they want to hear or don't want to hear? And I've talked to different military people about this as you're talking about those um, hospital workers. And I agree with you, like they might've signed up to do surgery, um, you know, heart surgery or lungs or like different surgery, but they didn't realize that that would also be a, something that they would contract uh, for themselves. I'm curious for you coming from the place that you've come from when people say, thank you for your service, how that lands with you. And then how you're thinking about how you want to communicate to the people that are now on the front lines. Mitch, you hit on it, but I would love to get your perspective on it. Yeah. For, for me personally, when people, you know, uh, and I, and I think it's, it's probably this way for most seals. Um, you know, thank you for your service. Like you're kind of just like, Oh, you know, I, I was just doing my job, you know, like, you know, and, and I had fun doing it and I was there voluntarily and, you know, like you don't really, you know, it, for me, it's like, I, I, I asked to be here, you know, like I, I'm, I'm here on my own free will. I'm doing this or whatever. And like, I get your appreciation and stuff, but it's not necessary, you know? And, and I think that a lot of seals feel that way. Um, but then, you know, I have to also like, think about it from the person who's saying it's perspective and before I was in the, the SEAL teams you know I used to hey thank you for your service thank you for your service you know and 
and it genuinely like I it came from a genuine place and it you know and I wanted them to hey thank you you know like show them some praise or whatever for a moment and and I'm sure that the people who are saying it to us now are wanting that same they're 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 genuine it's coming from a place of genuineness you know and they want to so so I think they they're kind of weirded out when you kind of shut them down and it's like I'm not trying to be a dick but it's just kind of it's it's our culture shuns like you know self-praise and like you know um in 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 the ethos it says I do not advertise the nature of my work nor seek recognition for my actions so in a you know you're automatically like oh I don't I don't want don't say thank you like it's you know it's okay but now now you know and I get it every day people write me messages hey thank you for your service and I, I just say my pleasure you know I think Chick-fil-a does it best so you know I'm just like <laughs> yeah my pleasure and uh and that's what it was it was my pleasure and it's it's a nice way to to kind of accept their what they're trying to bestow upon you without sounding like an asshole or rejecting it or whatever but also like humbly accepting it and just like it's a it's like a nod you know like yep we got it we're on the same page and uh i think that's kind of how i'm taking it and uh you know but like i said i think that the nurses and doctors are in a different place you know um and it's like i i'm thankful for their service every day but at the same time it's like that's their job they're getting paid it's transactions like anything else but there's an added element into where they did not like sign up for this, you know, and, uh, but they're, they're, but they are facing it head on and they're, they're involved in doing it. So I am thankful for that. And, uh, you know, and that's like just a token of our appreciation. Jeff. For me, it's all about the intention behind it. And when people come up and say that they're, they're just trying to be respectful and, and I, I want to be humble at the same time. So I'm always just like, thank you. I got so much out of it myself, whether it's kind of the brotherhood and the friendships or everything I learned uh, from blowing stuff up, all the good, all the good times with my friends to being able to really be challenged down to my deepest core. And then, really you get so much meaning out of it at the same time. People, I remember would ask me, oh, why do you want to be a SEAL? And I'd say, I want to make the, better, make the world a better place by removing the evil people from it. And, and especially after night, like originally I want to be a SEAL because um, of the challenge. And then after 9-11, it just gave it so much more meaning of why, why I wanted to be a SEAL. And, and so I, I think it's super nice when people, when people say that, uh, I definitely don't ever need to hear it, but when I, but when I do, I'm, I'm just thankful and, uh, to them. Cause I know, I know they mean well. Mariel. Yeah. Basically piggybacking off of what they both said. Um, there's one thing that we all, you know, I see some of the things we do is we train for just about every scenario. The one, the one scenario that I can think of that we don't uh, think we train for is awkward situations. We're probably really bad about <laughs> handling awkward situations. It's not in our, you know, it's not in our training pipeline. But, so it is awkward when, when people 
you know, say sort of those words to us. Um, but I think if there's anyone else in this world better equipped to kind of, you know, eat that awkwardness, it's us. And, and, <laughs> and I, I'm willing to do that, like Mitch was saying, because we have to take the perspective of the person that's the people that are saying that. And it makes them feel better. And so I'm not trying to deny them or I'm not trying to, you know, create this exponentially awkward situation. So for me, I just, you know, I go with that. Same thing as, as Mitch was saying, my pleasure, you know, yeah, no worries. Thank you, you know, and uh, sort of return it back to them. But um, as applied to, to the nurses and the you know, medical staff today, you know, I just hope it continues. I hope, I hope this is a, you know, sort of a reawakening of, of, or an awakening for how much they've actually put on the line for us. Cause it's not just, there's, I mean, you can think of all the sick people in a hospital and all these sicknesses and illnesses and diseases and viruses and everything that they're exposed to constantly. It's not, you know, yeah. Yeah. They don't expect to get sick all the time or, or at least catch a pandemic deadly, you know, virus. So I, I just think, and I hope that we recognize it, it continues forward. And then we're able to equip them with the, you know, the necessary protective gear that they need and the necessary tools and equipment. Um, I think it, you know, that's at least we can do at this point. We've been going for a long time, but I'm just going to close that loop. Uh, one of our first guests was a guy named Dimas Chavez. Dimas was in the CIA forever. We went over, he was in Russia. He would debug buildings in Russia, like really interesting life. And one day he's at our local Sam's Club and someone drives their car through the Sam's Club door, runs into him and severs his leg. And he's in his 70s. Um, and the only reason he survived was because there were a couple of uh, military medics going to Sam's Club, buying hot dogs to practice um, the t practice tourniquet uh, wow. work. And so they save his leg and they take Dimas in a helicopter to Baltimore from Gaithersburg, Maryland, because Baltimore is one of the best shock trauma uh, hospital ERs in, in the country. And in that ER is one of my best friends from childhood, uh, Michael Burns, who was doing his re residency in Baltimore. And Mike ended up, he's now an orthopedic surgeon and does sports medicine. But Michael and Dimas's daughter, Dolores, we all went to elementary school together. And I get emotional even thinking about it because to your point, Mario, Michael was working 20 hour, you know, days. They, they, uh, what we do to have people become do doctors <laughs> in this country is it's, it's grueling. It's, it's, it's training. And Michael was there and, uh, I would say a year or two later, Dimas walked with, you know, one leg down the aisle at Dolores's wedding. Uh, and Michael was there and he ended up giving a toast about how Michael saved his life. And uh, so heroes show themselves in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and in different ways and capacities. And uh, you made me think of that, Mario, as we think about our medical people. Um, with that, I, I want to thank you all not just for your service, but also for what you're doing today. Because I think a big takeaway for me is you all have been warriors in your, in your life and have been in some of the most rugged and hostile situations that someone like me, I, I haven't been in. Um, and what you've done since there is just as impressive. And what you continue to be doing, I mean, Mitch, when you're talking about how you can leverage uh, your ability to help as an entrepreneur right now. Jeff, you talked about nonprofits and how you're, you're involved and engaged there. Mario, we've talked a lot over the years about mental health and also about your dreams 
to be a part of something bigger than yourself when it comes to space. And so I'm just really grateful that three of you came into my life. You came in at around the same time. And I also just want to thank Kyle. Um, Mitch mentioned Kyle Maynard earlier. Kyle is the one that brought us together. And Kyle is one of those people that changed my perspective on life. And I think I look at the world differently. And, and the three of you have also uh, done that for me. So I want to thank you all. Um, I also want to give you each a platform to just share. I know all three of you love Instagram far more than I do, um, but share your Instagram handles and also the websites where people can learn about what you're up to. Mario, let us know when the book's coming out, all that good stuff. Uh, Mitch, why don't you go first? Then we'll go with Jeff and we'll end with Mario. Yeah. Kyle, social distancing. That's all. (laughs) Kyle, Kyle's like, dude, like when Kyle goes off the map, I tried to get Kyle on one of these panels. Didn't hear from him. I'm probably going to call him after this just to thank him. I have to leave him a voicemail. Totally cool. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's, he's one of a kind, man. He is one of a kind. He he saw this pandemic coming a long time ago and he just started social distancing a while ago. That's all. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But yeah, uh, you can, you can find me at uh, Mitch, Ag- Mitch underscore Aguiar, M-I-T-C-H underscore Aguiar, A-G-U-I-A-R on Instagram. Um, my uh, website is Massive Supplements, M-A-S-F supplements.com. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and uh, yeah, hashtag Smasher Greens. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, man. Jeff, why don't you go? So Instagram for me, at Jeff Gum, J-E-F-F-G-U-M. And then the business is Sunga Life. You can find it at sungalife.com, S-U-N-G-A-L-I-F-E. And the Instagram for Sunga Life is at sunga.life as well. So amazing, amazing time. This has been uh, incredible reunion with with all my boys all getting back together and having a fun conversation so uh thank you brian for having us mario yes so uh about the book progress i'm only about thirty-two thousand words into it i'm trying to hit about seventy-five thousand words so i'm not even halfway through Uh, it's going to take me a little while so i'm not going to necessarily pump out an exact date on when that's going to be done mario what's it uh, what's it about so my, my book is actually not like Mitch was saying, it's not about, it's not a cool guy seal book. I mean, there are like a chapter. I didn't a couple say of that. <laughs> no, no, you, no, you did. You, did say you said it's not going to be a, a seal. Like it's, it's just like you said about, it's only about a chapter of our lives. It's much more than just the seal stuff, you know? Um, but it's, it's basically how I handle, how I've, how I've met with, you know, sort of perceived injustices in my life and, and slights against me and, and how I've taken all those things and sort of used them as fuel, as sort of catapults to, to, to shoot me off in the direction of the betterment of myself. So I, and I talk about both good and bad things and things that I, that I think uh, motivate me as a person, the deep, you know, philosophical reasonings for why I think I am the way that I am. That's pretty much the premise of the book. Sort of like a sort of a deep dive into who I am. It's more for me, I think, but I think there'll be some use out of it. For now, are you gonna, however, are you going to have an audio version? I'll probably have an audio version. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'll read it so that I can emphasize the the you know the portion the parts that need emphasizing, and uh, You've got not to. somebody else. Um, 
So my, my Instagram handle is, is my first name, last name, and the number is 186, Mario Romero, 186. Uh, 186 is not my bud's class number. Everybody always thinks that. It's more, it's about the, the 186 of sort, of, yeah, sort of represents the speed of light in uh, miles per second, 186,000. Um, however, unfortunately, I am going the way, I'm going the way of, uh, of uh, Kyle Maynard right now. So right now, I am social media distancing. I sort of deactivated my Instagram. It'll be back up maybe in a week or so. I kind of just want to just take a, you know, a full on break and sort of focus on reading and writing myself. I don't, I want to, you know, extend that social distancing as much as I can and sort of, uh, you know, get some work done. Awesome. I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson. I'm on Instagram, intentional underscore performers. And when I am on Instagram, I'm often clicking stories and, and stuff that these guys are, are putting out there. So I highly encourage everybody follow along on their journeys. Uh, and you can listen to these conversations at intentionalperformers.com. Fellas, great to see you. Look forward to next time doing it in person. Uh, and Mario, when that book does come out, maybe we'll have you on the podcast for a third time. I don't think I've had anybody for on it for three times. So you might take the cake. Um, but Sounds appreciate good. all of you uh, and look forward to drinking some wine the next time we're together and, and having some some deeper conversations. All right, guys. Thanks. See Take care. Awesome. Amazing time, guys. Have a good one.